the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross. Yes! Yes! Touchdown! They did it! Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in, joining us on a Tuesday. A lot of different things on the docket today. Uh, we will take a, a closer look at Utah State and BYU. A matchup coming up on Thursday, 6 o'clock kickoff down in Provo. Uh, we'll be sharing a stat that blew our minds, a player of the week. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Utah State hockey. We've got some hockey players uh, coming in and joining us next hour to talk about their season, which is uh, getting underway. Got a home game this weekend, so we'll preview more of that. And uh, we didn't get a chance to reveal our pick six to see how well we did in trying to predict what would happen over the weekend. So we'll get into that as well. Um, but also just uh, you know, where Utah State and BYU are playing each other this week, and this will be, well, this is the last game on the foreseeable future schedule for either team. It uh, has us wondering about, rivalries going away and it's not just happening here uh, there's been news at various different places about uh, traditional rivalries going away and um, how how do you feel about that red river rivalry is going to go away uh, this rivalry between utah state and byu is going to go away uh, temporarily who knows it may be permanent i don't know uh, but uh, other rivalries in college sports have definitely been disrupted with realignments and everything moving around. Um, so how do you feel about the death of rivalries? Does it, does it matter as much anymore? Or are those traditional staples that we should still you know, try to preserve? So if you want to chime in on any of those topics, the Full Court Press text line is open, 435-339-0321. If you want to chime in today, uh, in fact, we got a text that came through just as we got off the air uh, yesterday. So we'll lead off with this. This is 8968. It says, one of the last times the Aggies beat BYU in Provo, they also lost to Weber at home. That was 1978. Let's hope history repeats itself. Wouldn't so that be it? interesting? <laughs> that, is, that is interesting. That's a stat that I had not noticed. I gotta. I'm, I'm pulling out the history book. I gotta verify. He's trying to make sure. Because <laughs> there, there's errors in those media guides. You should know. <laughs> Although, in like the 70s, there's probably not errors. Most of the errors I've found are in like the early years. Uh, let's see, 1978. Had to go way back. All right, finding it. 1978, Utah State uh, won in Provo. That was on October 7th, and then later in the year, on November 11th, the Aggies lost to Weber State, 44-25. to 25. Yeah, that... They finished 7-4 <laughs> and four that year. Yeah, that was a pretty good year. The thing is, when going into that game, Utah State had like a 
had guaranteed a share of, I think it was the PCAA, I think? Whatever conference they were in that year, they were guaranteed a share of it because they'd gone just just about undefeated in conference play. Obviously, they were 7-4 and four overall. And so, I don't know, maybe they just didn't try in that game? <laughs> Something? It was funny because I remember reading a newspaper article from 1978 where they commented that before the game, the officials went to Weber State and were like, uh, if this game gets out of hand, you want to like shorten the game maybe? <laughs> they were actually saying considering shortening the game. Really? If it got out of hand. And wow. it got out of hand the other way. So, That's funny. Yeah. It's, it's a little embarrassing. Only 6,000 people recorded to be in attendance that day. At BYU? At Weber State. Oh, Weber State. Okay. Yeah, not very many people attended games for a while. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, interesting side note. So maybe it's a, a positive forbearance of the next thing, you know, what could happen this weekend. Yeah. Maybe it's a good omen. Maybe not. Who knows? It's probably not. It's just we're all, we're all clinging to something. Yeah, that's gotta, true. Got to cling to something. Uh, you know what, uh, the Kalani Sataki earlier this week, uh, the, the question was posed to him that you know it, it, whether or not Utah State should be considered a, uh, it can be considered as a dangerous team coming into this game because of the situation that they're in, not necessarily because of who they are, like who the coach is, or you know who their players are but because of the situation that they are in, considering they're 1-3, uh, frustrated after a, a team that won the Mountain West Conference a, a season ago. And kind of an interesting take from the BYU head coach uh, about the state of Utah State coming into this one on, uh, on Thursday. Well, I have tons of respect for Utah State, their fans, and definitely for their, their, their football program, for their, their coaches and those players. Those guys work really hard. You can see well-coached, you know, and you can see the, the, the scheme works really well for them, and um, they're, they're, they're always dangerous. And so when you – I played in these type of games before, so I know they're going to bring their best. I know they will. And so I've said this before to you guys over and over again, we need to make sure that our best shows up. And I honestly don't think it's shown up at all this, this season. That's my fault. So what what better moment to do it than now, you know? And so hopefully we can do that for a full 60 minutes. And uh, I, I like it, our program if we can get that done. And really that was kind of a, a sentiment that was echoed a lot through his presser, that he's focused more on getting his team right than on Utah State, which, you know, kind of tells you that that the, the disparity of the two programs where they are right now in their current trajectories, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Utah State's way down in the dumps. BYU's doing fine. You know, they, they're they ranked, I think, 19th on the latest AP poll. So, and Utah State's struggled a lot when BYU's been in, in the top 25. Some of the wins Utah State was getting against BYU in the last few years, when you're talking about Utah State, they've won like two out of the last three against BYU, I think. Or at least I was looking at the Utah State. I think they said that two out of the last three, they're two and two in the last four. Some to that effect. They've gotten a few more wins lately. More parity in the last yeah. several years than there was for a long time. Yeah. But several of those years, it was years where BYU was like four and nine, not so good. They Now, they did get a win over BYU 
in 2014 when BYU was ranked 18th in the AP poll at the time, which is actually the highest-ranked team be- uh, Utah State's ever beaten in a game. They've they've never beaten anybody ranked higher than than 18th. So I mean, obviously that was a good one. Of course, that was the year where Utah State went 10 and four. Uh, one of the better years under Matt Well, at least in terms of win total. So, I mean, maybe it it it'd take a heck of a game for for Utah State to come away with this. Yeah, since since Matt Wells, uh, it, there's been definitely more parity in this series. Um, though the Utah State has lost the last two that they've played, um, but. Um, this is a this is a, a a BYU team who lost some key players a year ago, notably the quarterback, but Jaron Hall is stepping in and doesn't look like they've lost much of a step there at the quarterback position. May not be as big of a thrower as Zach Wilson was, but he's mobile and uh it Looks like he's been improving a lot over these last couple of weeks coming into this one. Yeah, he's doing really well, at least statistically. Uh, I was looking it up. He's one of like three quarterbacks in college who has like at least a thousand yards, has completed seventy percent of his passes, and has like at least nine touchdowns, but one or fewer interceptions. And that's kind of a convoluted stallion. But basically the the long and short of it is he's doing well across the board statistically in terms of passing. Better than Bryce Young, who we, you know we faced earlier, who's supposed to be the best quarterback on our schedule, and Jaron Hall, and statistically he's doing better, and he's played several top twenty-five teams already this year. True. So it's not like he's playing weak sauce competition like Zach Wilson was doing all the time. Jaron Hall is doing well, like two hundred ninety-one yards passing per game, against good opponents, on the road in tough situations. So he's gonna he's gonna be a, a tough threat. Yeah, uh, Coach Blake Anderson calls him the total package when referring to the BYU quarterback. What he's done in terms of accuracy, the ability to move the pocket and extend plays, and then really to reach the wide side of the field so effectively, that's not something everybody can do. They run the ball extremely well, and that takes a tremendous amount of pressure. I mean, it doesn't really matter what running back they put on the field. They're effective at at running the ball. Uh, But he, he can reach every area of the field, and he can hurt you with his feet. He's a total package. We didn't see him a year ago. Uh, we're seeing him up close and personal this year, and he's playing at a you know, very, very high level. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, e- emphasis on taking away passing opportunities. Uh, they've you know, This BYU team has a lot of guys coming back who have been injured, and they're, they, they have more weapons available to them. And it's uh, those can be dangerous games because these players have been out for a while, and they want to remind everybody, including their, their most of their teammates and their coaches, that they can still play and that they deserve time on the field. And those can be those can be kind of dangerous games when you get those first games back for some of these guys. I missed the first part of your comments. I was looking at the text. <laughs> well, this just, is about just that BYU is getting uh, some of their more weapons back available yeah, okay. to throw to and utilize in their offense. And so that the Utah State secondary really has to be on point to take away those passing options. Yeah. And statistically, Utah State's passing game is actually, or passing defense has not been bad. 
um, we were confident in this defense, like they're, they're, you know, defensive backs. We were confident in them earlier. And again, statistically, they're like 40-something, 48th in passing yards allowed. And again, they're still 10th in interceptions uh, that they've gotten. So they, there have been some good things. I know in the last game there were a couple of bust plays where, you know, Johnny Carter fell down on one play. You know, it's kind of iffy because there's part of me that wants to think those numbers are deceptive. But again, it doesn't feel like Utah State's really been beaten in the past game that badly. Um, the main frustrating thing against UNLV was they couldn't force an incompletion. But um, their quarterback, Brumfield, he's completed like 70% of his passes for the whole season. It's not like he suddenly came out of nowhere and completed all of his passes. So, it, you know, I'm torn between wanting to say those numbers aren't real and Utah State's going to get ripped apart and saying, well, or, you know, just saying the numbers are the numbers. There's a reality to those numbers. That's, that's right. They happening. stand for something. Yeah. Utah State's not given up a ton of passing yards this season. So it'll be interesting. Um, the The main thing will be trying to keep Jaron Hall from running around too much. Because if he's able to run around and make plays with his legs, Utah State's not been not shown themselves to be able to stop that. I agree, and I think that's the the bigger weakness there, especially with some other concerns on that interior defensive front for Utah State. Uh, being able to contain their run uh, and contain a mobile quarterback who can evade and uh, and and push the ball upfield and, and gain yards in other ways besides just the, his arm. Um, and that's uh, <laughs> that's a you know the 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 run defense was uh, was still pretty strong I want to say for Utah State against UNLV, but I think you know this is a this is a quarterback who's going to be more mobile and looking for opportunities to 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 scramble for yards than what we saw out of Brumfield. Yeah, no. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> It's just going to be tricky. I hope that Utah State can get a good pass rush because um, they can't just sit back and let Hall just pick them apart because they will because they're going to have more dynamic athletes than UNLV. They're going to have better pass catchers. They're going to have a better offensive line and just a better quarterback overall. So you, you can't let him complete 70% of his passes again because then it'll be even worse because you're facing a better quarterback. But then again... Hall's been completing 70% of his passes against Oregon and Baylor. So it's, hard, it's a hard stretch to say Utah State's going to be able to stop him. <laughs> the The key there will just be force turnovers and get him on his back. Because you're not going to be able to stand up to him with your secondary, most likely. So you gotta you got to disrupt him. And then when you finally you know disrupt him, don't let him get out of the pocket and make plays from there. Because then you're going to be allowing huge plays. Because when you're getting out of the pocket, the things can really start to go bust. Because in the secondary, they're scrambling to figure out where the wide receivers are. And, you know, holes in the zone can open up because, you know, guys have committed to wide. And there's just a whole bunch of mess that can happen. Then you end up giving up a 50-yard pass play. So it happens when you're facing good quarterbacks who can make plays out of the pocket. Right. So this is, um, as we're focusing on the, the defense countering their offense, um, you know, this is 
and I, maybe this is more of an overriding thing for Utah State in general, and we've been harping on this since Saturday night, is that you know you you just you can't gift them opportunities, and the, the penalties on the defense last uh, Saturday, not a ton of them. There were a few uh, that you know got a little bit out of hand, but um, but the, I think overall the the defense. Kind of epitomizes that, you know, play with aggression, play to the line, but don't cross it. I think they understand that mentality better than some others on the team. But that they're going to have to be the ones to help set the tone to create opportunities, which they didn't last week against UNLV. Yeah, and considering the way the offense plays, the defense could stand to give the offense a few good opportunities. We saw how it helped UNLV. To get those interceptions, to have short fields, how much it helped their offense, which statistically didn't even do as well as Utah State's offense. They were outgained by 100 yards by the Aggies. But their defense put them in positions to score, and they did. You know, you don't want to put more pressure on this defense and say you have to do this. You don't want to have to do that considering USU's defense is already overtaxed. But that might be what it takes to win this game is to get some turnovers, maybe even score some defensive points. You know, that kind of thing. Right. It, it has to be a game where it, everybody's creating opportunities for for the entire team. Uh, you can't hurt hurt your team. And that was happening way too often on Saturday. Can that be drastically improved and suddenly flipped the other way around? I mean, we, we've seen that this team has that potential, They've had quite a few takeaways already in the in this season. They didn't have any on Saturday, but they've had a number of takeaways already this year. They've shown that they can play disciplined football. They've gotten out of hand and let that get away from them. So if they can get that dialed back in, then they're going to give themselves a, a fighter's chance on Thursday because they just gave away way too much on Saturday and uh, you rein that in, they're showing signs of improvement in a lot of areas. I don't know that it necessarily yields a victory just yet, um, just looking at the matchups. But if Utah State plays a clean game and plays their style, which we know they can play, well, I don't know about that. Then, then I think it'll be a fun, competitive game. Yeah, that's... Really all I'm asking at this point, and unfortunately we have to play the moral victories game again. Had to play that against Alabama. Almost had to do it against UNLV where we were talking about we'd be okay in a sense if Utah State lost, you know, 35-30. We would have been okay with that, and we were kind of okay with only losing 34-24. Obviously there are some problems, but, you know, we showed improvement. And again, we have to say, all right, just don't get murdered by BYU, and we'll be okay with it. <laughs> like it's it's it really sucks that we have to do that. But I you know. are right in that sense. You are right in what you said. It's got to show signs of improvement. Yeah, like this week, just don't turn the ball over. <laughs> like once or twice, maybe if you just get straight up unlucky, that happens. Maybe a bad tip, whatever. Maybe if there's one you can live with, but don't do it five, six times. Don't force a ball there. Don't force a ball there. It's just you can't be doing that. Yeah, and that that will be interesting to see what kind of adjustments, if any, are made to the offense for Utah State to have you know, more competitive throws. 
Uh, wide receivers creating more space. That was definitely harped on time and time again in the post-game press conference. Uh, and in a short week to try to figure it out, too, uh, for Utah State. Uh, Got to take another time out here in the Full Court Press. Love to hear from you on our Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. We'll hear more from the coaches and players about this matchup on Thursday night and uh, look at some of the interesting storylines heading into it. 6 o'clock kickoff, which means our game day coverage will begin at 4.30 on Thursday. So that will cut into our program a bit on Thursday. But um, it'll, it's okay. It'll be better than what we could put together for you. <laughs> I trust Al Lewis and uh, Craig Hislop. They always do a great job. So anyway, that's coming up on, on Thursday. But uh, more from the coaches and players and also about – this rivalry going away. And not just this rivalry, but there's a lot of rivalries going away. So how do you feel about the death of rivalries? Are we to the point where it doesn't really matter as much anymore? And we're just chasing the almighty dollar over rivalries? Or are there other ways to preserve it or to create new ones? 435-339-0321. What's more important than sleep? Granted, some things are, but not many. This is Ryan at My Mattress, and here we offer the best solution to better sleep, a better mattress. IntelliBed, the gel mattress, cradles your hips and shoulders while providing the best back support possible. Or come in and choose a Tempur-Pedic that boasts 93% of their owners love their bed. My Mattress, offering the best sleep possible by the South Walmart. It's game time, and you're in the locker room, ready to take the field. But suddenly, you notice a player you don't recognize. He's wearing your team's jersey, and he even knows your name. But you've never seen him before now. Would you trust this stranger with your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing scams work. And the first quarter of 2022 saw the highest volume of phishing attacks ever recorded. Protect your business with the Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. Thermo Fisher Scientific is hiring for their manufacturing, distribution, and warehouse team. And that's great news for anyone seeking a rewarding career. Thermo Fisher offers positions across multiple shifts, competitive compensation, health benefits, paid time off, bonuses, and an excellent work environment. Help Thermo Fisher make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. Visit job.thermofisher.com and search Logan. Thermo Fisher Scientific is an equal opportunity employer. DD Auto and Salvage is going to pay you the most for junk vehicles. You can get rid of your junk vehicles today. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787 1204. That's 787 1204 today. See store for details. This is the herd. Attention listeners. With Colin Cowherd. Dak Prescott makes $40 million a year, and it cannot beat good teams since his rookie year. Here is Dak Prescott versus playoff teams in his career. 12 and 21. What is he, Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football? Oh, wait. That's actually what I've compared him to the last two years. This is The Herd. Weekdays from 10 to 1 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker.
Valvoline Instant Oil Change, open every day of the week, even on Sundays at 695 North Main in Logan. They're quick, clean, and easy, just how it should be when it comes to an oil change, so stop in today. A friend of the program, Al Lewis, listening in, texting us with some uh, additional clarification on that 1978 season. Uh, Utah State uh, started 5-0 and that year, nationally ranked, then lost to Long Beach State. Uh, says couldn't finish very strong. Uh, it says the day of the Weber State game was horrible weather, really cold and snowy. It may have something to do with their lack of attendance and this struggling to move the team very well. So maybe, you know, maybe it's an omen. In the season where they lose to Weber State, they can turn around and beat BYU. Utah State is, what, 25-point underdogs in this one? Yeah, I saw one line that said 24. It very likely moved since then because I was like Monday, but I don't know where the line is That's now. That's 24. 24, still 24? Yeah. Yeah, it might move up, to be honest. Well, if it hasn't moved up by now, or is it only Tuesday? It's only Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Getting lost. There's so time. It might very well move up. There's time. Um, just with lack of confidence in Utah State. Well, and with BYU getting key guys back as well. Yeah. Which they've been really looking for. But um, One of the things that, that uh, you know, to consider with this series is that it, it's been a long series. These two teams have played each other a lot. Over the years. Sure, there was a stretch where it was one-sided, where Utah State was dominating this series. And then it started to flip. And then BYU dominated the series. And in the last, oh, five to ten years, we'll say, it's been more competitive. It's been more balanced. Uh, BYU has won the last two, but before that, Utah State won the previous two. So it's it's been back and forth a little bit more. Um, but it's going away. And there's a, you know, a couple of the coaches and players kind of addressed that in their press availability this week. And I want to get your thoughts on it as well. Like the, the death of rivalry in college sports. And uh, this is um, you know, coach, coach Anderson reflecting on how this could be the last game in this rivalry. It's a great rivalry. I understand what's going on. I mean, I think we all saw this potentially coming with their move to the Big 12. But rivalry football is what college football is all about, in my opinion. I absolutely love it. Have not always been able to be a part of that, but some of my most uh, enjoyable experiences are these types of games. So I hate to see it go. I understand why it is. You'd like to think it'll come back around at some point that we'll able to be able to get it sorted out where this game comes back in the future. But for a while, this is going to be the last one. Uh, and um, so, yeah, he, he likes coaching in rivalry situations. He likes been having uh, played in rivalry situations. And for Kalani Sataki, really, it's, it's kind of a similar sentiment for him as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, I love the in-state games. And, and, and uh, I mean, we, we went up there to Logan last year, and that was a cool environment, man. It's just you could, you could see how much the, the fans love it and love this game. So, um you know, I'm not I'm not the guy that does the scheduling. That's that's on on our administration. But uh, personally, yeah, I, I I played in this. I, I remember being a, a fan cheering for 
for BYU in these rival games and, and especially the games against Utah State. And so um, I played in it, and now I get the coach in it. So it's, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I, I you know that's that's just I don't have the control of that. Yeah, that's the issue is that the players and even the coaches sometimes coaches who aren't even like really really tied to the rival like coach Anderson's not really as tied to this rivalry uh Stocky obviously is you know so he's a lot closer to you know Utah in terms of his playing and coaching days right um so obviously he likes and coach Anderson you know they like these rivalry games and the players love it too but the administration their pride and the dollar signs they're seeing doesn't match up with playing these games anymore and it's not just a Utah Utah State BYU thing or a BYU Utah thing, you know, as you've mentioned, it's all over the country. Dollars, dollars and cents, and pride are coming before rivalry games and tradition. Yeah, it, the uh, I may have said Red River rivalry, and I should have clarified because that will continue in conference because both Oklahoma and Texas will be in the same conference. It's the Bedlam game. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State will will discontinue. And uh, that will not happen anymore because they'll no longer be part of the same conference and they don't seem interested in keeping it going. Yeah, the thing is a lot of these like cross-state rivalries seem to be the ones going away because you have ones like Michigan, Ohio State kind of sticking around, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, and largely because just going off the top of my head, it feels like when teams are like pulling, your know, teams are leaving conferences, they're not going in pairs like in the state, like, Utah and BYU didn't go to the Pac-12. You know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State didn't go to the SEC. It's you know just one, then another, and you know that they're they're picking and choosing which team out of this media market they want. They're not pulling them in pairs. The the UC, USC UCLA thing seems to be kind of the exception to that, where they're pulling both of them, but they're just both in LA. So they was like, okay, we'll take you, take you both. Right, but that historically that was the move where uh, Arizona and Arizona State. We're a package deal. Washington, Washington State, we're a package deal. Oregon, Oregon State, <laughs> like so. Those, uh, those will, you know. And there were legislatures that got involved with some of those things too to say, you know, if if one's going, the other one has to go with it. You can't separate these two. But it hasn't always been the case, and we're seeing that uh, some traditional rivalries disrupted with realignment. We had a game earlier this year. Was it uh, Pitt and West Virginia, which was a an old rivalry that used to always take place, and that game got played, and it was a fun, fun game. But it are are these rivalries holding us back? Should we be considering? Look, there's an opportunity for conference expansion or being in a better media deal, and positioning or positioning a team to be in the hunt for the college football playoff or a bigger bowl game. We can't afford to play some of these games. And we don't, we have to be more considerate of who's on our schedule. And we may not be able to afford to play a team like a Utah State anymore because, oh, we have Big 12 aspirations, we have college football playoff aspirations or New Year's Six or whatever. And... Um, the, the the pressure is now to to play other power conference teams and there's just not room. I think it just comes down to the fact that we look at college football much more nationally and view it as much more of an end goal, you know, get to the playoff, get to the championship type thing. Because for the longest time, what was college football besides 
regional rivalries, pride in your team, showing up and just watching football. Because I'll tell you what college football was never and has never been and never will be. It's never been about watching the best football on the planet. No, college football is bad compared to the NFL. Just as a, you know, X's and O's, player skill talent, level. skill level. Right. It is in every way inferior to the NFL. But people love it. Why? You know, passion for the team in a way the NFL will never have. The NFL has never compared to college football in terms of passion for the team. You know, that's the, and you look at it like there are bigger stadiums in college football than there are in the NFL in a lot of big cases. NFL stadiums tend to max out at 60,000, 70,000. BYU has like a 68,000-person stadium. Like, BYU in little small-town Provo. <laughs> Has a bigger stadium, I'm pretty sure, than like the New England Patriots. Than, I think. than a lot of NFL stadiums. It may not be the Patriots might have like 70,000. But like seriously, college football has a passion the NFL doesn't have. And a lot of that is built on the tradition and, you know, just going back and having all these rivalries and, and all this stuff. And it's just that's going away and it's getting replaced by something. It's getting replaced by, oh, we have to make a chase for the playoff. We have to chase these dollars you know, it, it's becoming so much more about the money. And in a way, it's always been about the money. But it's about chasing the giant TV deal, chasing the, you know, $100 million facilities, having basically a luxury hotel for a locker room, and again, just making the most amount of money and getting a chance to get in the playoff. That's what it's, that's what it's mostly about. Uh, getting through your texts, I apologize. I didn't get through them earlier. I might screen with frozen so i got a bunch of texts coming through we'll get to some of these uh 4086 i apologize for the comments i made on aggie call on saturday night i may take total responsibility for the comments i made uh what did you do i don't know what i don't remember what you said 4086 the text maybe ryan should be the oc <laughs> yeah he didn't take any offense at that i know uh 2417 Text again, if it was a rivalry like Michigan versus Ohio State, then it would matter a lot. But because it's BYU versus Utah State, the rest of the country could care less. And this really is like a smaller rivalry than than really anything else. It's, sure, the, the Utah-BYU rivalry stands above the BYU-Utah yeah. State. Sure. You're silly if anybody tries to tell you otherwise. Yeah, it definitely means more on the Utah State side than it does the BYU side. That's just a reality that's always going to be there. But it is it is part of the – it is a smaller part in the larger trend of the death of rivalries in college football, which is a shame because that's another thing the NFL's not really had. There's not really been real rivalries in the NFL. The closest they've come was for the longest time we've had Pittsburgh and uh, Baltimore – and then uh, 49ers-Cowboys in the 90s. Yeah. But, like, those tend to just be brief flashes in the pan. They hate each other when, like, both teams are good for, like, 10 years. And then they fizzle. You know, when in, like, the 100 years we've been playing BYU-Utah, has that rivalry fizzled? No, they, they still hate each other. Yeah. They still go after each other, and they're not even playing. They play. They don't play this year, do they? Uh, that's a good question. I don't yeah. know. I haven't looked well, at their they're playing this year. They're still taking pot shots at each other because 
It's a rivalry. And it's a beautiful and horrible thing <laughs> about college football. Well, when it when it transcends the game itself, right? When it goes beyond just what happens in those three and a half hours on the field. In the lead up, the smack talk, you know, waving your banner, painting your window, and then after the results, rubbing it in the other one's face for a while. Yes, especially here in Utah where a lot of times both fan bases watch the games, they'll come back and come to the same church building yeah, and rub elbows. And that's true. Uh, 8 nine, six, 8 talking about that Weber State game, a 1978 Weber game, the weather was very, very cold and it was snowing. They evolved fumbledies. <laughs> Fumbleitis, I think. Fumbleitis. I don't know how many in a row the Aggies lost, but it was a bunch. By the way, I think the Aggies were 5-0 and after beating BYU and then lost Long Beach State and the next game. Yeah, so just uh, the season summaries, they did start 5-0, and as Al Lewis mentioned earlier. Um, and the 8-9-6-A is pretty much on. Had a lot of the same information, obviously. Um, so after beating BYU, they lost two in a row. They lost to Long Beach State and then Miami. It was a close game with Miami and Florida. Yeah, lost uh, 16-17. Uh, then they beat San Jose State. They were actually co-champions with San Jose State for the conference title that year, the PCA. It was the first year Utah State was in that conference. Uh, then they beat Pacific, lost Weber State, lost Utah to cap off the year. They go 7-4. and four. So they lost four of their last six games. It's a rough way to finish after the, such yeah. a good start. It, it is. Uh, 9-9-5-2. If the Aggie offense can't stay on the field, the defense will be torn apart by Hall. Yeah. Yeah. The offense has to do the defense favors by sustaining drives. Give that defense a chance, and they'll give the offense a chance by getting BYU off the field. They have guys who can do it, but the offense has to do their part to give them a breather. Yeah. I said, I don't, I don't want to ask more of the defense, but unless the offense does step up, then the defense will have to overperform, which they haven't done that this year. So it feels like we're having to expect things. Well, for Utah State to win this game, we have to expect things that they haven't done before. That's kind of long and short of it. Things they haven't done before, mostly on offense, maybe some on defense. We've seen a lot more flashes of greatness out of the defense than we have the offense. Yeah, true. Uh, two nine four seven. We're going to get ripped apart by BYU, especially since it's at BYU. I hate to sound negative, but our offense scored zero points against Weber at home, and coaching was purposely not changed or has purposely not changed anything. Our only hope is trying something different and uh, working really well. Different play calling, players, quarterback, etc., and a lot of turnovers by BYU. And I'll tell you one thing I am incredibly worried about is Utah State just being one-dimensional, and throwing a lot of picks again because BYU is going to be able to sit back and just play the pass the entire game. And if I don't know if they're – I don't know how much better they are than UNLV on defense. I would assume they're much better, some better athletes, and just better overall, better coached, and have you know much better tradition of being a good defense than UNLV does. And so – Utah State's probably not going to be able to run against BYU. And UNLV kind of recognized that, where UNLV didn't play super aggressive against the run. They played against the pass, and they got five picks out of it. BYU could very well do the same, because Utah State's not running the ball. At last year, Utah State ran for 22 yards the whole game against BYU. Yeah. yeah half, it was... half, 
It was rough. Half a yard per rush. So that <laughs> didn't do very well. <sighs> and if you can play like five-man box, drop eight, like how are you supposed to move the ball against that? You don't. Uh, four seven eight one, Aggies will beat BYU. Mark my words, mainly because USU will break Jaron Hall's leg on the first drive. We like to mess up their quarterbacks. <laughs> that's that's the thing BYU uh, says. We don't want to play Utah State anymore because they keep entering our quarterbacks. Well, what they conveniently forget is that they messed up Chucky Keaton as well. So yeah, we they, it was a back and forth thing. It was. It's really unfortunate. Yeah, and unintentional on all all around. Uh, and then finally, how are jersey sales for college football? Passion entails a lot of different things. Well, 100,000 people show up at the big house on a weekly basis. I'd say that's pretty good passion. Yeah. Student, yeah. student sections. You know, I'm not saying the NFL doesn't have passion, but it just cannot rival the passion for college football. Right. There there are definitely traditions around college football that don't really exist in the NFL. Yeah. There are rivalries that exist in college football that do not exist in the NFL. I get it. You can get behind specific players in the NFL a lot more because they're around for longer. But um, but the, to see rivalries going away in college football and college sports in general, is sad. It's frustrating to me, to be honest. That's one of the byproducts of this greed in college athletics that's just really depressing to me. Yeah, and I'll tell you the thing about jersey sales, that's complicated because there's been this whole thing about name, image, and likeness throughout all of history. Like, it's been iffy about selling jerseys because, you know, putting the guy's name on the back of the jersey. There's been, you, know, you, you couldn't really do that. True. It's a fair, very fair point. Um, go to, in four seven eight one for the follow up. But are they wearing jerseys? Have you seen a Buffalo Bills parking lot before their games? That's passion, unfortunately, for lifetime tables. Yes, that's true. Um, but you're right. Can you can you go to a store right now and buy a jersey of an NFL or excuse me of an Aggie player that you'd want to wear and go to the game? You might be able to find a replica jersey. But I don't know, would it have a player's yeah, name that, on that's it? The thing is the, the, no, uh, the official ability to sell jerseys has not been something college football has really been able to do. It's been really hindered. I'm pretty sure for legal reasons. Yes. So that's where jersey sales aren't really a thing. So I don't think it's a really a fair apples and oranges argument. Yeah. I mean, like, I understand the point trying to be made, but it really isn't fair. It's not. It does. It's not exactly the same through line. Yeah. So, and again, I'm not saying the NFL doesn't have passion because there are plenty of fans. And the NFL, you know, and there's traditions there, and there's there's different things. But again, compare that to a hundred thousand people showing up at college stadiums all over the country. It's several different places. The rivalries, you know, the tailgating and everything. It just doesn't compare, especially when you consider how much better NFL teams are than college football. You'd think more people would want to follow the really good team who has the recognizable superstar quarterbacks. Like, why couldn't? The, the Jets pull off more fans when they have, you know, Joe Namath than maybe some of the high schools, like, in the SEC. Or, not the high schools, the colleges. So it's like, colleges have been able to get a lot of fans 
despite having some real disadvantages in marketability of stars and different things like that. Right, and that will be interesting to see how that changes. I mean, we see Bryce Young on national television spots for Nissan, you know? And so that's just the the beginning of uh, how these uh, players will be marketed, and he can wear his his jersey because they've paid him, they've paid the university, they've gotten the rights to do, be able to do that where you never would be able to see that before. Yeah, and it's, it's already rubbing people the wrong way, to be honest. I'm not liking it. Uh, all right, more on this, uh, the, the death of rivalries, and are you okay with it? Um, or should we do whatever we can to preserve rivalries that exist? Now, uh, divisions are going away in the Mountain West. Is that going to affect rivalries in the Mountain West? And uh, I think they've tried to figure a way to maintain that to some degree, but it's affecting us even closer closer to home within the same conference. So we'll discuss that more coming up on the Full Court Press. This is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. We are humbled by and grateful for the tremendous support we have been shown since opening our doors nearly two years ago. So we just want to say thank you. On behalf of everyone at White Pine, first and foremost, thank you for allowing us the honor and privilege of serving you and caring for your loved ones. Additionally, thank you for voting White Pine the best mortuary in Cache Valley in both 2021 and 2022. White Pine Funeral Services, here when you need us most. Don't get caught without power after a windstorm or a major winter freeze. Golden Spike Electric offers Generac backup generators so you can be prepared and keep your home warm while avoiding frozen pipes. Golden Spike Electric is one of the largest Generac dealers around, so you know it'll be installed right. Whether you're a homeowner or an electrician, contact Golden Spike Electric to rest easy the next time the power goes out. Online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. They also service other models. We are Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Aegis, A-E-G-I-S. Our home is your home. We are more than an organization of healthcare professionals. We are proud members of our community. Compassionate, quality, patient care is our mission. I am Jason Jones. I'm a proud member of the Aegis team. At Aegis, we're dedicated to character, experience, and trust. Aegis Home Care and Hospice. We will ensure you experience the difference. 435-723-9000 or find us at myagis.com. It's time for the big hunt. But what do you do after you bag your trophy game? This is Jade from Daryl's Appliance. We have several freezers in stock for you to store your big game harvest, including a Frigidaire 20 cubic foot upright freezer in white for only $9.89. Hurry, stock is limited. See store for details. Daryl's Appliance Service and Sales, West on Airport Road, open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. See Daryl's Appliance in beautiful downtown Benson. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Just continue to work on our techniques, work on our fundamentals, uh, understand their scheme, understand how it relates to our scheme, and you know, just playing extremely hard when the ball's up in the air, being combative, as Coach Bond always says, fighting for it, you know, not giving up 
easy, easy completions to them and making them earn everything that they try to do. That's Utah State safety Hunter Reynolds talking about trying to get prepared for a diverse passing attack from BYU. Uh, a lot of different weapons at their disposal with uh, more guys coming back from injury. So that uh, Utah State secondary could really have its hands full. Uh, so, again, they will play at 6 o'clock, kickoff at 6. Pre-game coverage for us will begin at 4.30 here on The Fan, simulcasting KVNU game day. Uh, for Al Lewis and Craig Hislop breaking it down. Always great insight from them and uh, unique interviews and uh, unique uh, audio to get you ready for the matchup. And then as soon as the game is over, uh, we'll be back on the air with uh, KVNU Aggie Call on both KVNU and here on The Fan, taking your calls and your reactions to what happened in Provo on Thursday night. Um, but it's a, it's a rivalry that's going away. And um, one of the, I want to get this comment from Chandler Dolphin. He grew up in Utah. He went to high school in Utah. He's been at Utah State for a little while. So certainly he knows a lot about this rivalry. And besides that, he knows some of the guys on the other side of the field, which is one of the other fun things about these in-state games. Growing up here in Utah, um, been surrounded by a lot of BYU fans. Um, a lot of people in my neighborhood were BYU fans. I was always surrounded by BYU stuff growing up. Um, I have a lot of good friends that play for BYU right now. And then obviously when you get here to Utah State and play ball, it turns into, you know, it's just, it's a full-blown rivalry here. So um, it's an exciting game. It's a fun game to be able to play against some of the guys that you've competed against your entire life or trained with. Um, my buddy Braden Kine plays online there. I went to high school with him, uh, Ben Bywater, a uh, phenomenal linebacker for them, um, trained with him in high school. So I just there's a lot of guys I know on that team that I've competed against in football and basketball growing up. So it's, it's a fun game, you know. It's a game uh, you definitely try to take some pride in it for sure. And it's going away. So how well do you perform in this last one? That's, that matters. And that was something that Coach Anderson kept trying to stress as well. Like, this is going to be the last game. Who knows if it'll be the last one ever. But it could be the last one in a long time. So we want to make sure we, we do it right. Yeah, it'll, it'll happen again. But, yeah, we don't know when. That's the problem. And it could be a long time. Or with how much regularity. Yeah. yeah it won't happen regularly. It'll probably happen about as often as Utah State, Weber State which has only happened a few, which it might happen less often than USU Weber State, which has happened every five or six years. Yeah. So interesting state of the rivalry and how others are weighing in on it. Love to continue to get your thoughts as well. 435-339-0321. S.E. Needham Jewelers is where Utah gets engaged. Couples throughout the state buy their rings from S.E. Needham Jewelers because of our low prices, extensive ring selection, and extraordinary benefits and services with financing available. Go to seneedham.com to learn more. We have many unique and beautiful engagement rings starting at $500. You'll find affordable engagement rings with our integrity price guarantee. This is why we are where Utah gets engaged. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. We would like to welcome Prodigy Brewing to the heart of Logan. Cash Valley's first and only brew pub with family-friendly dining. With an upscale twist on classic brew pub fare and ingredients sourced as local as possible, they are thrilled to be part of the heart of Cache Valley. 
Bring the family and try their wood-fired pizza or their mouth-watering signature burger. Located on beautiful Center Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pizza, burgers, and brews. Mmm, tasty. Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent with Alpine Home Medical. I'd like to invite you to learn more about us. Since 1997, we've been Utah's premier one-stop shop for home medical equipment. What sets us apart at Alpine Home Medical is the superior level of customer service. We provide home oxygen, CPAPs, wheelchairs, scooters, breast pumps, and so much more. Come on down and get to know us. Visit alpinehomemedical.com. They never could play it, but they sure can talk about it. Eric Franson and Jason Walker on the Full Court Press. Uh, when you buy Napa Auto Parts, you know you're getting the best. When you pull into one of their five locally owned Preston of Providence Napa stores, they have the uh, know-how to make sure you're getting the right stuff and can even ins- help you install it if necessary. Or if it requires even more work, they recommend over a dozen Napa Auto Care Centers with ASE certified technicians. Uh, wrapping up this hour, we have uh, USU Hockey coming up shortly next hour, so stay tuned for that. That's fun. Their season closely underway. One of the uh, most highly attended sporting events uh, or, or teams um, on campus. You have football, number one, men's basketball, number two. Probably hockey's number three. Volleyball might be close behind, but I put that uh, club hockey team, probably the third most attended sport it, uh, at Utah State. Yeah, I've been to quite a few of their games, and it's a heck of a time. It's fun. Uh, just about a, just a little bit of time here left, two minutes left of the show before we send it up to Dan Patrick above the noise. Uh, let's go with the stat that blew your mind, Jason, for this last week. So this is one I kind of stumbled on. I guess it's not last week, but it's like the last year and a half, this stat, as far as a trend. And I found it today during show prep. And that is this. So you look at the first four games under Blake Anderson. Utah State averaged about 213 rushing yards a game, a little over five rushing yards per attempt. And the 12 games after those first four games, so last eight games of last season and all of this season, that averages 147, almost 148 yards per game, 3.1 yards per attempt. Oh. So they wow. lost the magic. And actually it was the BYU game that's kind of splitting the difference there because they had all that and they faced BYU, ran for 22 yards the entire game, and after that, not been able to run the ball since. Wow. That's uh, scary. <laughs> that's scary. A little bit. Uh, my stat comes from the Team USA – the women's basketball in the FIBA World Cup, they uh, beat South Korea 145-69. to 69. So they nice. broke the FIBA World Cup record for points in a game. And that's, okay, that's impressive. But what blew my mind is that the bench for Team USA outscored South Korea's entire team <laughs> by 19 points. Holy cow. <laughs> wow. That's insane. Wow, go Team USA. USA, <laughs> USA. Uh, we'll uh, have to punt and uh, do our player of the week coming up next hour. We'll get to that. Stick around. We've got Utah State Club Hockey in the house talking about their season, how you can watch their games and follow along and, and what they look like this year. 
That's coming up next here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. When Dak Prescott went down with that hand injury in week one, the Cowboys' playoff hopes took a major hit. But after last night's win against the Giants, the team has now won two in a row under backup QB Cooper Rush. The quarterback has played well in the Cowboys' system and has taken excellent care of the football to start the season. It's easy to overreact with standalone games, but what Rush has done in Dallas is impressive. The team in Dallas desperate need of wins to survive Prescott's injury, and Rush has delivered back-to-back victories versus a Super Bowl contender and a division rival. Is Rush the answer under center for Dallas? Probably not. But the team has to be happy with what they've seen so far. There are still plenty of games left before the playoffs begin, but if the team can continue to play stellar defense, run the football, and limit their turnovers, Dak Prescott's hand injury may not be the end of Dallas this season. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.